Hello, Internet. This is Chase Wassner, a.k.a. the Redshirt King, the editor-in-chief for Imperial Esports, here with our Rough Drafts team-by-team preview of the 2016 North American LCS. We have been breaking down teams for five days now. We are on day six, and I am here with my good pal, Walter Fedchuk, to break down a very interesting team today. Walter, how are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty well. This this team in particular is one that, that I've hemmed and hawed about because they've made, like you said on the preview for the podcast yesterday, they've added by subtracting and subtracted by adding. So they're, they're very intriguing for me to look at and, and about what I, what I think about them. Yeah. And that team, you know, is cloud nine, which is not a team that, you know, we thought heading into the off season was going to have a ton of different storylines around them, but there's actually been a lot of movement with this team. High has moved from jungle to support as he continues his tour of all of the things, uh, trying to be in every single position by the end of his career, it looks like at this point. We have Lemon Nation moving from support to the head coach role, which is really where he belonged for a while now. Uh, we have Rush replacing High in the jungle. So he will now from, uh, bring a different kind of energy to this team. And we have Bunny Fufu as a substitute support, a guy that you know, needed an opportunity to revitalize his career and is now going to get that chance on a team with a pretty solid infrastructure. Uh, the rest of the roster, Ball is top, Jensen mid, Sneaky 80 carry has remained the same. So Walter, when you look at all of this at the end of the day, what are your initial thoughts about this team? My initial thoughts are they replaced a, a less mechanical player and, and moved him into its rightful role, which is head coach in Lemonation. They've kept high as a shot caller. Awesome. They've added a, a, a true jungler, someone who's actually a jungler and not, you know, a, a transitioned mid lane jungler, and they kept balls. That's kind of where my excitement is like, oh, oh this is going to be good. This is going to be good. Balls. That's, yeah. that's literally, it's like a roller coaster up and then just immediately drop down, which I, balls can do well in the right scenario. He played decently at IEM Cologne. He wasn't amazing like he was back when Cloud9 were on their tremendous runs and in uh, in season four and uh, in season three and season four and early in season five, which is kind of disappointing, but he showed that he can kind of you get him on a tank and you let him just sit there and be a brick, and that's about it. So I'm curious to see kind of the interactions that this team has going to this super aggressive counter jungly kind of style that Rush has, super gank oriented, super counter gank oriented. He's not a traditional sit back and farm jungler like Medios was for this team. Uh, he probably high is probably more of a ganker than high was. So we'll see, but he feels like kind of the odd man out because this team is so much about team play and, and, and objective kind of focused cohesion. Yeah, and that kind of leads us to this most exciting storyline part of this podcast. Because as you said, you know, one of these things is not like the others. And Rush is known for this incredibly aggressive ganking style during his time at Impulse. Walter, how does that style mesh with this more objective-focused Cloud9 roster that we've gotten to know over the years? So here's the thing. They're either going to need to ad- adapt the team's play style to Rush, or they're going to need to train Rush how to play their play style. It's and and that's I think where High comes in. High is going to be the one shot calling. High is going to be the one kind of di- di- you know saying when we're going to take these objectives, what our rotational play is going to be, uh, which is fine. It it's just you're kind of 
you're neutering your best player by forcing him to fit into your system. And Rush, that that play style doesn't 100% fit into the Cloud9 system, where it's very team-oriented, very team-rotational play, rather than the jungler going off and just doing his own thing. You know, we used to joke about the fact that, that Medios, you could just guarantee Medios was going to go tower dive for balls, you know, between levels like four and seven. Like it was clockwork. Like that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> Where Rush is a lot more uh, freeform. He just, he, you know, some games will be super counter jungly because, you know, it, that's what he can do. He's a stronger duelist. He can go into the enemy jungle. He can bully him around. He can take away his camps. He can get vision. But actually, most of the time, it'd be Adrian coming in and having to get vision because Rush was that kind of guy that would finish his jungle item before he'd ever finish a sight stone, which seems so, so backwards when you're talking about Cloud9, where High was a mid laner and High would be buying wards instead of finishing items just so he could establish vision control. So I think it's a very exciting point, but there's so much can go wrong if they don't figure out the right way to mesh this player into, into the team. Yeah, this is the biggest question for me, and I think the biggest question for everybody. You look at what Rush did last split. He had 75 kills. To put that in perspective, the second highest kill count amongst junglers was I Will Dominate at 45. That's insane! That is a 30-kill lead over the second-place guy! And he was tied for first with 190 assists, and yet somehow only ended with the fifth best KDA at 4.7 because he died 56 times. And this is the do or die that comes with Rush. He was first in, uh, in amongst junglers at CS at 10 minutes, first at gold difference at 10 minutes, first at damage per minute, first at earned gold per minute. Anything that you asked of him as a jungler, just going in there, making plays, doing all these things, he did all of those. But 10th in wards placed per minute. 10th in wards cleared per minute. It is literally the exact opposite of anything you would want if you were Cloud9. Cloud9 is such an objective-focused team. They play it safe, they get to like the 15-20 minute mark, and then they go for, you know, you take one tower, well, we're going to take two on the other side of the map. And they do that with Vision, and that's Rush's biggest weakness. And meanwhile, Rush, all he wants to do is make plays and take advantage of his you know, aggressive laners like he had with Impact last split. And he doesn't have that now. Balls is certainly not an aggressive top laner. Jensen is not as aggressive as Zhao Wei Zhao was before the ban. And Sneaky tends to like to farm up a little bit before he gets to that point. So it certainly feels like something's got to give. And one of those things might be getting the bot lane to a more aggressive place, which I think they could do if they make the switch that I think a lot of people are seeing and that you've already kind of hinted at earlier, which is our most underrated storyline for this team. How long will it take, Walter, for Hi to prepare Bunny Fufu to take over the support role? I, I think it takes a whole split. I, I think that I think Hi is a pacifier for this organization. I think that they have it. They have themselves convinced that High is uh, much like we joke about the narrative-driven way LOL esports is that High is this amazing shot caller, you know, blah blah blah. That we've all kind of 
uh, joked about and agreed with at some point in our careers. Uh, I think he's kind of a pacifier for them, and and they think that everything will be all right as long as High is there because really until they kind of bombed out the second week of Worlds, everything sort of was all right with High there. Sure, they were losing games, but they weren't getting crushed. They were having some objective, you know, they had this really strong kind of objective-driven game, and it seemed more of their their out-of-game preparation kind of pigeonholed them into one style that, that ended up screwing them over at the end of everything. So... I don't, I don't think that they're comfortable, like letting high retire and letting high move on. So I think it's going to take kind of a full split and things not working out the way they hoped during the spring split for them to allow Bunny to come in and play. I don't think there's going to be any timeshare type thing where you know High is going to play one game and then Bunny's going to play one game. I don't think he'll play one series a week. You know, the only time he might come in is if High has some sort of you know, medical pro, you know, he gets sick or something like that. But I think we see a full split of high playing support. And when at the end of the split, you know, they aren't a top three team in North America, that's when they'll pull the trigger and move Bunny in. Yeah. And that's my concern. I mean, it's one of those things where you look at what happened this summer, right? And cloud nine played Medios for 10 games. It became very clear that without high, this team just didn't know what to do. They just lost that edge in how to shot call. And, Yes, High can try to teach Bunny or try to teach someone like a Rush or a Jensen how to do that, much in the same way that Fnatic right now is trying to you know, re- rebuild the kind of shot calling that Yellowstar gave to that team through Forbidden and Reckless. But you know, at this point, like Jensen and Sneaky and Balls have all played with High for multiple splits at this point. If they haven't picked it up now, they're not going to. And it's very hard for players to take a significant amount of time off and get back and be as strong as they were before they did that. There are very few examples of guys who took an entire split, didn't play, and then came back and became better than they were before they took the break. And my concern is leaving Bunny Fufu on the bench like this could have a negative impact uh, at the end of the day when they do need to make that switch because I, you know, and this is the biggest fear section here, you know, how much of a weakness are balls and high to the team as they currently stand? Well, as I mentioned on the IEM Cologne wrap-up show, I thought that it was very interesting that, that Cloud9 strayed away from Thresh so much. And I understand that they're playing against Vander, but again, I brought up on that show, like, Cloud9 and a lot of other LCS teams use Thresh as a barometer for support performance. And if that's not a champion that that he was comfortable playing, he needed to work on it. And he needed to be able to play that champion because that's like a staple champion in every single support player's pool. Everyone can play Thresh to some certain extents, uh, some certain extent. Granted, you aren't Mad Life. You aren't Mad Wife, as Remilia is affectionately called. You aren't, you aren't, uh, you aren't Mata or you aren't Edward. So, you know, maybe you aren't any of those guys, but you at least are able to play that champion to some extent. And Cloud9 wanted nothing to having that champion. They played Alistar and they played Janna, two of the best disengaged supports out there, which is fine if you're okay playing that play style, but it locks you into it and teams are going to figure out different ways to play against it. You're going to play a disengaged play style, fine. I'll just play a poke siege composition and you will never ever kill us because we're just going to take, you know, we're going to come up, we're going to set up at your tower and you really have no way of coming and, and pushing us off your tower. So I think that can be a major weakness. I think Ball's inability to play 
the juggernauts outside of Darius is uh, is a problem because that meta is probably going to stick around for a little bit. And again, as I said in the CLG podcast, the talent in North America got better. Hmm. Adding Hooney and having another uh, another season of impact, uh, uh, having another split of impact, having Haunters get better at the game, have a lot of pressure taken off of him. That, that's a huge issue for Balls, where if this meta stays this way and he isn't able to play tanks, he's going to get beat up a lot. You know, he just can't do anything for this team at that point. So that's where I'm looking at it, is that, yeah, I think, I think it could be very harmful, and this team isn't going to realize that they need to make changes until the offseason, until at the end of the spring. Yeah, and to some extent, I think that this is calculated by Cloud9. You're taking the spring split to kind of figure everything out, because the last thing they want to do is have it be like the summer split where they're watching the playoffs from the sidelines and then they have to battle their way through two reverse sweeps to get to the finals of regionals. I don't <laughs> think they want that again. So if they're going to have a split where they need to figure some stuff out, they'd rather it be in the spring. That said, uh, not only was High really limited in the types of champions he could play, which, as I mentioned on that IEM wrap-up, uh, it felt very, you know, baby's first support. Like, those are the supports that I play in solo queue because I'm terrible, but even <laughs> I look okay on them. Uh, that's a concern to me. Uh, but, you know, his vision was a bigger concern to me. Uh, Cloud9 had no vision across the map during any of those games, even when they were winning. And, you know, game three, like you said, because they knew what High couldn't do, H2K just rolled him over. And that's a big concern as well. Uh, and Balls, by the way, uh, 2.5 KDA last split, tied for seventh. Uh, sixth in gold difference at 10 minutes, third at CS at 10 minutes. So you think, oh, so he, he plays the early game all right. Yeah, but then he's seventh in CS per minute, 10th in damage per minute, eighth in earned gold per minute, 10th in wards plays per minute. After the 10 minute mark, this guy does nothing for your team. He was really bad after the first landing phase last split. And yeah. that's a very big concern. I think that you've really got to look at, you know, is this the guy you want to go into battle with week in and week out? And and Cloud9 has stuck by him. They've stuck by him through the, you know, the struggling to get out of Diamond 2 in Korea and all the other kind of memes and everything that went their way. But it could be the come to, you know, for lack of a better phrase, the come to Jesus moment uh, for them to split if things go wrong. But, you know, I'm hearing, Walter, uh, some gumshoe music. Coming on the background, I sense a conspiracy afoot. What are you? What are you reading here? I think the bunny foo foo and rush moves were to block other North American teams. I don't think that they fit in what Cloud Nine is trying to do. Rush in particular, and I think it was actually some gamesmanship on Cloud Nine's part to sign them, hope that they could fit them into their system in order to block other teams from amassing more talent onto them. I guarantee you. Uh, you know, a team like Energy would have much rather have Rush, and and, and maybe you know, given on uh, given up on Impactor. I know TSM probably would have loved to have Rush over Sven Skaren, mm-hmm. or CLG would have loved to have Rush. So I I think there's a little bit of gamesmanship that happened here with their signings, uh, to to sort of block other teams from getting access to these two rather talented players. Yeah, and and sometimes you can overthink yourself on it, you know. Uh, yes, now they have Rush, but if you can't make the most use out of your Rush, is that better or worse than if you'd picked a jungler that mixes with your system? Uh, Bunny Fufu is the one who I 100% agree with you. 
because you know they have sheep on the roster technically because of his time at you know Cloud Nine Tempest, at least according to uh, LOLE Sportspedia. So why would you need Bunny if you can get at least ninety percent of Bunny from sheep, and you're already planning on moving high to that support position anyway? Like if they wanted to, they could have just trained uh, sheep up. But they chose to sign Bunny, and I think they chose to because I, I think that that's something that you don't want to give to your opponents. And like I said, this can be a smart move, but you also can overthink it. And in this case, they've got to prove that those signings were worth it and that they're able to integrate it properly. And that's going to be the most captivating thing to watch going forward. But Walter, all of this taken into account, where do you see this team at the end of this spring split? So... I think I think that Cloud9 is still a good team. I think they still have a very good kind of support staff around them. I think they have very talented players, uh, especially in Jensen. And I think Sneaky is arguably one of the best AD carries in North America. Is probably better than Doublelift. Uh, but we'll see what Doublelift is able to accomplish with Yellowstar. And, and what Sneaky is able to do with uh, a non-support support player. So... At the end of the day, I think they're still a playoff team. They're probably going to be at the upper end of the playoff team because they have a lot more upside if Rush works out and pans out very well. You know, pans out as a strong player and fits into their system, and they're able to adapt to what he brings to the table. So, at the end of the day, they're more likely to hit kind of like that four seed. Uh, you know, be in the top, kind of the top part of of the mid tier of teams that I consider. So they'll be very interesting to watch, and I'll be paying a lot of close attention to this team in particular. See, you and I feel, I guess, a bit differently on Cloud9. I'm a little bit lower on them than you. I think they're fighting for a playoff spot. I think that when you have a guy in high who was as poor as he was at IEM Cologne, I think that's a problem. I think when your top lane is as weak as it is in the current, you know, in the current North American scene, I think that's a problem. I think that Jensen's a great player. I think that Sneaky's a great player. I think that Rush is a great player in the right system, but I'm not sure they're going to use him effectively. And as we've mentioned a couple times on these previews, it doesn't matter how good a player is if you don't use him effectively. I think this team is going to struggle the first few weeks to figure out what they're going to be. And they can do it. But it's a matter of whether they do it quickly enough. And we saw last summer, you know, a very similar situation where, you know, they were trying to rebuild around most of these same guys, you know, bringing Jensen in to replace High in the mid lane. And on paper, it should have been an improvement, and they took a step back. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see another split like that. I, it, there are a lot of similarities between what happened last split and what they're going in with now. And that is a concern to me in the long run. But it's going to be very interesting to see no matter what happens. Uh, and that is a podcast. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at, at RedshirtKing. Walter, where can they find you? I'm at C80s underscore LOL. And we would love to hear your opinions on all the stuff we talked about here today. Obviously, Cloud9 has a pretty massive fan base. And I know there are a lot of different ranges of opinions out there right now. So I'd love to hear where you guys come down on it, whether you're more on Walter's side or mine. So be sure to tweet both of us on that. Uh, if you enjoyed this, you should definitely follow us on SoundCloud at the uh, soundcloud.com slash esports gambling hour or subscribe on iTunes 
to the Esports Gambling Hour. And that way you'll get all of our episodes. We are on day six right now of all these previews. In North America, we've already done TSM, uh, Immortals, Energy, CLG, Dignitas. And in Europe, we have done six teams of our own over there. We have Vitality, Splice, H2K, Unicorns of Love, Fnatic, and releasing G2 Esports today. So you have a ton of team-by-team previews to go listen to, and you totally should because they're all really awesome. And you should come back tomorrow because I think it's time that we talked about a team that by its own nature doesn't like to play by the rules. So until then, goodbye, Internet.